the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 270 Recap and Bellator 273 Breakdown. Recapping results from last weekend and looking ahead to a spot for this one. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is where you can find over at MMA Junkie, as well as OddsCheckerUS.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast. We break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. I guess maybe it's before the fights, depending. I mean, I'm not really going to be talking the Eagle FC stuff much. May, may produce those ads, but um, recording this night before that fight, I'm going to talk a little bit of Bellator 273, at least the main event. If you want to check the timestamps for those, um, I'll get to that um, toward the top of the podcast, or toward the... Later end of the podcast, I guess. Uh, at least the main event. Um, you know, I got a pick and a play out there. You can see the in-depth breakdown that's up now at MMAJunkie.com. Um, there's someone with a strong opinion on it, which I didn't expect to. So we'll see. You know what that means. I'll probably end up looking stupid. Um, and, like, each fighter will just completely fight out of character and to make a completely awful look. But we'll see. If not, you know... Um, I like the one play I have heading into this non-UFC weekend. Uh, I didn't really do too much else. Oh, I'm not going to go too in-depth on the card. Uh, it'll be a quick preview of that Bellator card. I'm mainly going to talk and recap results from UFC 270. Um, Ninganu versus Gone, Gone, Gone where? Uh, and, of course, uh, Moreno versus Figueiredo 3. Um... Did not get to rewatch a lot of the things. Uh, first, I just want to say I'm, yeah, I'm just feeling a bit sluggish. It took, it took me a while. It's late at night. I'm recording this. Um, I had some things to do, granted, uh, but I tested negative today, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, so I'll probably see my my mother uh, tomorrow for the first time in like a month because uh, she was gone in Hawaii for a minute, and then of course um, I caught the COVID. Um, before she came back there so um just thanks to everybody with kind words it, i mean it's not that hard to be kind in this day and age but um you know with the way this world is and you talk about this topic in particular you just get all these messages and not a lot of them are filled with compassion most are just you know bootstrap bullshit and uh so those of you actually like would just like actually wish well um i appreciate you i really do uh but, uh, yeah, I've been exercising the old blocks and, and mutes and all that a lot lately. And, uh, you know, which makes for a better experience. I know people get their rocks off and, like, think they won. But it's like, that's such a sad way to live. And anybody that thinks that is so pathetic, I need not worry. And neither should you. Um, this world is just way too inundative already. Uh, there's no problem with filtering your experience for the better. In fact, I and many to different extents, of course would argue that it's a must. Uh, so, um, yeah, anybody, you know, out in themselves uh, just got to 
whacked with a, with a quickness. Um, it's still a crappy world. A lot of misinformation, a lot of bullshit. So just keep each other safe out there. Um, you know, get vaxxed if you haven't. Wear your masks, all that stuff. And uh, hopefully we can just stop making variants of, of this bullshit and, and get on with it. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I'm t- t- too exhausted and... Honestly, I'm just too emotionally taxed from this last year or so. It's particularly this last year of the last two or whatever that we complain about has really been... Ugh. Uh, but I appreciate those of you that are listening to this, man. You guys are the uh, the brightness in this space. And uh, again, appreciate you guys wishing me well to end that on a positive. As I wish nothing but... As I wish nothing but anybody well. Um, regardless of their stance. It's, we're human fucking beings, folks. You know, so um, let's remember that. Um, and look out for one another, God forbid. Uh, all right. Um, I will do some quick, um, Amazon link shouts too. I'll probably do that in the middle there. Uh, don't want to follow a, a read through and, uh, off of that. Um, and we'll get into the meat of that. We went five and six overall for UFC 270. Uh, we went, uh, Owen one for parlay, uh, Two out of the three legs hit. We, we, we fell on the most confident part of it. We'll get to that. Uh, one and one in straight plays if you count the ad, which I did talk about. Uh, even though I didn't bet officially when I did the podcast, I did talk about in the post. Um, and then I went two out of three for props. Uh, when you include um, the ad, which... I talked about on here, and then I forgot about uh, when I did that recap at the end of the episode. I couldn't remember what I I, I, I cited, um, but uh, I talked about it in the other things since, uh, as far as Aaron's show, and then, of course, posted that, uh, all the ads. I've just been better about posting these things in general, um, especially because uh, my play sheet, for whatever, didn't go up on the uh, old ad checker, so I was... That was strange. I'll still be billing for it, but, you know. Uh, hopefully, uh, everything will go up uh, without a hitch for the next UFC event. Not doing Bellator with them. And I usually don't bet Bellator. Um, and perhaps I'll be reminded why <laughs> with this bet that I have coming up. Uh, so, yeah, um, that was that. And we'll get into the recap now from top to bottom. Uh, Francis Nagano defeated Cyril Gone. Gone where? Um... Yeah, people were asking if I knew anything about the knee injury, I guess, just off the top. And um, that happened uh, after my conversation with Eric. Not that, I, again, I would share that anyways. Um, <clears throat> uh, but I know probably because I was reluctant to, to, to bet it. Although, like I always say, especially when I have money or uh, uh, whether it's a, a not confident, a bias-ridden pick or just a pick at the top, um, depending on how I'm managing money and want to do things, whether I want to chase or, or free roll, as, as as the kids say, you know, uh, I tend to do that if, if there's a if there's a potential play at the top. Um, uh, so that's what my hesitancy was. It wasn't from any inside information on the knee. Um, again, I'm not going to rat anything out for the podcast. I know it would make my podcast much more juicier, and I could tantalize inside information and really stretch it out as much as I want, but. That's not my style. I know it's the style of culture today, um, you know, so you'll see a bunch of people in the space, you know, anything to make them feel important, and uh, that's not your boy here. I, I give a shit about that. That's not, we all have egos, granted, but that's definitely uh, not how mine works. 
Um, so not looking to do anything of that. And to be honest, you know, if you if you guys know anything, it, you guys know. You don't need me to tell you this. I mean, all these fighters go in with injuries anyways. You know what I'm saying? With their knees, shoulders, and otherwise. Um, that's kind of the deal. So um, I trusted that if they're going to go to, to battle, uh, I trusted Eric. And Eric, even though he was a bit reluctant about it, self-admittedly, you know, and he, he let the camp know and, and Francis know, but... You know, he also trusts Francis to know his own body, and uh, they made that call. And, um, yeah, man, that, that's, you know, a uh, chain of command, if you will, and faith in that. that um, and, uh, and yeah, it happened to work out for everybody if you were on the Francis Ngannou side of things. Um, and if you're on the gone, gone where? Maybe not so much. Um, a lot of stupid arguments after the fact. It's part of the reason I didn't really care to break this fight down. People were just like arguing about both uh, the top two fights, and I could really care less about the arguments. Like people arguing what came first, the chicken or the egg. Like, uh, you know, Gon went to do a leg lock. No, it was a sweep. The leg lock came first. No, the sweep. Like, Y'all are both right. Like, Gon went for the leg lock. Um, not the greatest choice, but you can understand why he's gotten away with it before. Maybe he he was uh, thought that was a leg that was hurt, even though it wasn't, and even though he admitted that he didn't even know that the leg was hurt. Because um, to my naked eye, I was looking like the left, even though I believe it was Nagano's right knee. Um, but those things can be hard. It just depends on how the person carries or how they favor it. Um, he was Nagano was throwing uh, leg kicks from southpaw, which was really smart. Um, You know, as far as as far as taking away that open stance hard kick, um, almost kind of similar to that, and, and the grappling tiring theme it was very similar crossovers to the Giga and Cater. You know, um, as far as uh, Cater's footwork and stuff, using to close the distance, wrestling early, and uh, really setting the tone off that. Um, kind of Hicks and Gracie style. You get your opponent's heart rate above yours early. And that, at least from a fight pacing perspective, puts a large percentage in your favor, theoretically, on, pa on paper, right? Because now you have made their motor work, no matter how good their motor is, or perceived to be, like Gon's was, you make their motor work inefficiently under duress. And especially if a fighter has not really had to face that duress in those deep rounds before, like Gon has. He's went deep rounds before, but they weren't, you know, uh, Volkov had some bursts in round four, and I believe in round five, but, you know, Volkov was very much happy to play Gon's game, and Rosenstrach, uh, of course, will just sit there and stare at you um, and, and wait for his left hook uh, counter. Uh, none of which grappled. Gon, if anything, was the one grappling in his fights. There's not a, a lot of wrestlers at heavyweight which is a big leveling out, aside from the usual caveat of good for a heavyweight, right? Um, you know, page no dat for the later discussion in the Bellator main. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, so the, you know, it, the southpaw to leg kick, and, and if it was a southpaw leg kick, I mean, he was pivoting off of his right. So in my mind, um, I, I just figure, you know, someone with hurt knees and who's... Throwing kicks and um, has sounds very similar actually. Um, MCL gone, and uh, 
partial ACL damage. Um, pivoting on the knee is going to be a lot harder than kicking with said leg that, that has the knee hurt. So that was the reason why I guess I assumed it was the left, so maybe Gon did, but of course he said he did in the post-fight. Um, people arguing about that, it, it's silly, but uh, at the same time, I, I do think Ngannou, you know, you shouldn't be denying him credit for that, obviously, showing his jiu-jitsu, man. Like, it was, like, it was, you know, it, it, sweep caused, you know, opened up by a leg lock, but you could be like, oh, well, so so someone lands a counter punch, like, do we not, and knock, so, you know, somebody out or whatever and wins the fight with it, or we like, it wasn't a counter punch. It was this person throwing a stupid punch. You get what I'm saying? Like, how far are we going to go with this, folks? So just chill out on that argument. Uh, and then tying the knee thing and that argument into the cater giga uh, to the grappling part was, you know, and, and, and Rogan obviously does this all the time, especially with muscly dudes. He's tired. He's tired. But... To me, Gon looked more more tired, and it was more disturbing because we've seen Ngannou under duress before, but we haven't seen uh, Gon under that amount of duress. And running out of answers, not really having efficient ways to get up off bottom. Um, and credit to Ngannou, I mean, he was risk-grabbing, trapping the legs, uh, establishing cross-controls. I mean, Gon really had to sell out, and to his credit, and tripod. And to Gon's credit, when he did get up, he really sacrificed a lot. And to his credit, man, I mean, having a... I don't know about you guys, but my, my butthole was clenching tight. Uh, and I, I didn't even bet Gon, obviously. I'm on Nganu, but just for Gon, when he would belly down to get out. Because Nganu would have some form of... Not really a half guard at that point, because Gon turned out, but he still has a hook and an entanglement, if you will, on one of his legs, which is smart, and reaching across the body for cross control on a cross wrist ride into the what is known as Dagestani handcuff variation. Um, and obviously that opens for some leverageable grounded pound. Uh, oh man, did I clench because, you know, we'll talk about Bader later, but remember when, you know, Anthony Johnson got in a similar position and like Vader was already, and I don't even blame Vader. He was already just kind of tapping the mat. He was, and then and then Anthony I think still knocked him out before the ref could get in there. Um, but those positions at the bigger weights are really devastating. So I don't want to completely crucify Gon. This is his first time in these these waters, you know, like that uh, in, in multiple ways, right? And um, and to his credit, he was able to do things like that. However, it just seemed to tire him too much, and that became harder to do. Grats to him for trying to turn the tables, and that would have been brilliant, right? I think we'd be praising Gon if he was able to keep top position, you know, that whole fifth round, and, and I believe would have at least won it on two of the three cards. I believe one of the judges, Saldi Amato, gave the first round to Ngannou, which I have no issue with, because um, if you look, Ngannou was targeting the body. Um, I think I saw Luke Thomas post something about the numbers tell the story of the fight, and as much as that makes me cringe because numbers don't tell the fucking story of the fight, I actually agree with the point Luke was making. Um, but it was quite obvious one as far as pointing to, obviously the numbers were disproportionate to the body. Um, it shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody because, A, uh, well, it wasn't a surprise to me, I, anybody listen to this podcast, because it wasn't a surprise to me because, A, um, that was one of the specifics as far as Eric Nixick told me in their game plan. Um, Eric, you can hear him talking in the corner. I was telling you guys about this in my breakdown, this and that, as far as the body work. 
um, as well as legs too, uh, which Ngannou did show, but I said body and leg work was going to be key. They were smart and knew not to headhunt from the get-go. Um, Eric, and then they had pre-set combinations. They also saw what I saw as far as um, defense against the cage. Um, his defense gets suspect. Now, where that kind of came into play was also even in the wrestling, which, you know, we were talking more about the head positions, and they had it down to a T as far as shot selections, preferred exit patterns have gone. It was really impressive. That's all hats off to Eric. Um, and uh, that counter left hook just seemed there all day. And I wasn't the only one that picked up on that. Um, but publicly, if you even if you weren't uh, privy to this podcast, um, Eric's told, uh, your, your eyes don't work, you couldn't see that Gone was clearly, or uh, Nganu was clearly working Gone's body from the get-go. Um, Eric's consistent with his messaging, you know, like I always say, and he was as far as working the body. And, and furthermore, um, the body work, and again, a lot of the foundation for the game plan you saw and the game plan needed to beat someone like Gon, like I already said, it was already shown to us and laid out in the Stipe fight for, I don't want to say as brief as it was, it was still one of, you know, Ninganu's longer fights, but uh, it wasn't a five-rounder like this or his first one with Stipe, right? But even in the two rounds that we did see, and not a full two rounds, obviously, um, we saw the leg kicks, we saw the body work, we saw the smart shifting pressure and combinations, and we saw the counter wrestling. And uh, you know everybody has to do their after the fact dances, and I hate that all the time. And you know it's all, all the victory lapping is bullshit. Um, but um, one thing I was defending myself and saying, and and I hate it because I think maybe because people are sick of the victory lapping, so it's like they're armed to do this. But everybody was going like just saying. Like, oh, you said Ninganu knockout. Anybody who predicted and got like to take away from their prediction or whatever, or their bet, or whatever it was, someone was celebrating or someone was tearing down, or whatever your perspective is on it. Um, but somebody credited me, and I didn't li- uh, I didn't catch it on, on, on Chuan Humes' uh, podcast, MMA Ratings, by the way. I know he also jumps on with uh, uh, Frank Posen, with the Frank Posen podcast as well. Uh, and I have no reason not to believe Sean because he's, he's always, whether he tweets or podcasts, he's consistent with his stuff and he's not like out there victory lapping all the time or whatever. Like, uh, if he gets it wrong, he'll be just as, you know, open and verbose about that too, you know? So, uh, he's a really honest and open dude. I much respect, big fan of his, which is why I've had him on the podcast and I have him back on. Uh, apparently he made points. I, I, I'm not going to venture to say what it was or anything like that. Um, cause I don't know. But mine was, which I did say on this podcast, I did say in my breakdown written, I did say even in you know private DMs when people were asking me, like, hey, why did you post that, that gun footage? What does that mean before my breakdown even came out of him doing the flying knee, ending up in the clinch, and giving double underhooks to Lewis? It's because it showed that um, even though typically... Uh, going to reset yourself in the clinch, like in the Lewis fight, if you read my breakdown, Lewis's moments, even though I don't pick Lewis, I try to lay, lay out a path to victory. And I said, well, Gon likes to re- reset himself in the clinch, like I've said consistently in my breakdowns with him. Um, and so Lewis's chances are going to be on the way in or on the way out off the breaks, right? Uh, and Ngannou had that too, more potently. And another thing, which was a better takedown ability than Lewis, even though it was such a small sample size, just seeing what Ninganu can do behind the, you know, 
whatever muscly athleticism Joe Rogan fantasy uh, jerk off to him while he's on the scales like he's Czech Congo narrative, you know, the possibilities are infinite. <laughs> a little inside joke there. No one, uh, Joe Rogan never ogle harder at a man on the weighing scale than Czech Congo. My goodness. The good old days, folks. Um, but yeah, and uh, and we saw that here as far as what the collisions could lead to. And the collisions, whether it was a caught kick like the one in round three or other ones, um, you know, uh, ended up with uh, Ningano being the better counter wrestler. Um, and again, deceptively quick and smart in those scrambles, operating in the small spaces like I told you guys uh, and detailed. Uh, so did I pick decision? No, no. I, th- I thought, you know, again, and credit to Eric Nixick too. And then they admitted, man, they didn't see it. Uh, to decision either, so any you know, I'm definitely not claiming that, uh, you know, uh, but I, I did I, I did highlight the wrestling part of it, well, so that part at least did not um, surprise. Um, of course, uh, you know, uh, fallout from it, and you know, people are talking about, you know, of course, people praising Eric Nixick's corner work after this, and again, he was my coach of the year for MMA Junkie, and I've been telling you guys about this guy for for years now, so. I know no one listens to this shitty podcast, but again, this is a gift to you guys. One of the many accuracies that um, you guys get granted uh, through this information well here um, that, I, you know, um, I don't get credit for. It's fine. I don't need credit. I just want to pass on the credit to the people who deserve it, like Eric and his team. So, um, yeah, that wasn't a surprise here. And I didn't get into it that much, and I wish I did, because there's just like, there's all, and you know me, I'm not an after-the-fact person. I... I I rarely do this when I do. I call myself out on it absolutely because um, I hate doing it. But honestly, there's a bunch of stuff that I mean to talk about and I don't. And uh, the other part of it wasn't surprising too as far as people saying uh, Fernand Lopez was emotional. And I thought that too with the dynamic um, going in with the way everything was playing out. Um, him doing the desperate moves as far as the leaking the footage and things like that. Kind of being smug about it even if it wasn't him. And when I was researching, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's a fighter. He's got a record. And I was like looking at him like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, this makes this makes much more sense, right? And I'm like, oh, that's right. You know, we have this thing where we're like, oh, this person fought, so he knows what he's talking about. And there's a, a respect that no one can take away from that, and I absolutely get it. However, as sharp as that sword is, it is a double-edged sword. You know, the same thing when I bring out Ricardo Almeida. Why isn't he judged more? I thought he had his judge's license. Why isn't he doing it more? Why aren't more fighters doing it? Like, listen, I get it. Um, I get that, you know, a Ricardo Almeida or someone who fought in the UFC level knows more than, you know, stereotypical slap dick judge, you know. Um, and I I hate to, to say that because it's the same unfair stereotype that is, you know, lazy people like Brandon Schaub with the Cheeto Fingers media people. Um but uh, but but yeah, like I, I get that perspective of it. But at the same time, just because somebody was a fighter doesn't mean they're infallible. In fact, they bring a certain bias and emotion to it um, between their experience, uh, the stereotypical profile of uh, fighters, uh, so on and so forth. That biases become very difficult, right? Um, and when fighters do make good corners and coaches, we're almost kind of surprised. Um. Well, maybe maybe not everybody, but I, I you know I I am to a certain extent because a lot of times the best teachers 
aren't the fighters. Uh, so a lot of times the best coaches and corners aren't the fighters either um, in that respect. Uh, and, and this is a great example of it because you have Fernand Lopez who was and Eric Nixick who wasn't. He didn't come up in this in the traditional sense. He comes from football, right? Uh, even though he does, he was bred, but he was bred from a coaching family. He was bred in the gym environment. He's a smart guy. He's observant, and you know, uh, when you're smart and observant and in the right places, I can speak from, you know, myself as far as not being smart, but being somewhat confident, but being lucky enough to have certain experiences, being in the right places and take away from that. Well, go ahead and 10 and 100 and X that in all departments, especially the intelligence part department, when you get to a guy like Eric. And you see that, well, as respectable, no one's saying it's not. I certainly am not, as it is to be an ex-fighter. That doesn't guarantee you success in all things related to fighting. That's a, It's just a fact, folks, right? Um... And the emotion, not just of being a fighter stereotypical, but even in past things, I believe it was the Shots Fired podcast, I heard her interview, where they interviewed Fernand Lopez. And I don't know if it was specifically about it, but I think the Aspen Lad uh, thing was kind of coming to light. Again, something else I've kind of talked about on this podcast before. Um, and it really, really kind of you know, hit the waves, um, and it really became a hot topic. Uh, after the, what was it, um, when Misha called her out or whatever, and it was the, I forget. But, um, but yeah, uh, it was that, and Fernan Lopez, they asked, you know, Fernan Lopez, like, you're a coach. I mean, what do you think, like, essentially, like, what do you think of, of, of this kind of a thing? And I can't quote him because I don't, I don't remember it exactly, but essentially it was along, he, his answer was along the lines of, he goes, his answer was, red flag to me at least sometimes like some you know sometimes you cannot help these things you cannot pick love love picks you and i'm like that sounds like me being the romantic french guy but on the other hand that also sounds like something statutory pedos might say to defend themselves uh certain decisions they make uh you know <laughs> i cannot choose love it's just me <laughs> and right there i was like oh boy and I'm, that popped back into my head when kind of prognosticating, um, you know, the uh, intangibles of that fight. Because there were many, right? Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to share that because I forgot to mention that. And I feel like that kind of came through the emotion, right? Uh, that's a guy who kind of, his defense, standing by what he says, um, you know. And he went in there like a quarreled lover, you know. He went in there with a new girl. And he had the night planned, and how he was going to show up his old piece. And when it started not going that way, it just fucking hit the fan. So, sorry, long recap on that, but that was kind of um, <clears throat> my thoughts. And as far as how I approach the inside information or connections, big air quotes, uh, that I do have. Um, no, no misinformation here, folks. I'm not going to falsely advertise that I... Got shit that I don't, and this is tuning guy who fights now. Again, I don't always pick uh, a fighter Nick Six in the corner of folks. I try to stay unbiased as possible. You can't ever, but I do try to. I I would argue more than most. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that, that that 
that's twice now my receipts match the results, folks, but okay. Uh, Davis and Figueredo defeated Brandon Moreno. 48, 47 times 3. I don't have an issue with that. The scores could have been everywhere. I didn't rewatch it. Off memory, I feel like round two was the strongest for Moreno. I feel like the commentary was, was uh, strong on Moreno, which made it really hard to know. Um, it was probably 3-1 uh, going into, uh, it's, at least that's where my head was live, going into right between rounds four and five. But I believe that was the only time that you saw Brandon Moreno finally hit a plus number because I I, want, I picked him and wanted to play him, but just laying any kind of chalk was just tough to justify, right? Like I said in the breakdown, so I, I, I ended up laying off. But when I saw a plus number, I think what it was, like plus 125 or something, uh, I jumped on it. I only put like a half unit on it um, because if I were to have hit that, I was playing from behind that. I was playing from behind at this point. Um I would have been just under even, which would have taken some pressure off of my last bet, which was Ngannou, which was my make or break bet for the night, right? Um, we're going we're to reverse engineer my results and ads as we go along. Apologies. And I posted that ad in fairness, so I posted that publicly, even the live one. Thankfully, I only had enough time to do it in one house, so I only lost that um, in one house, in which I actually doubled down on my Francis Ngannou bet on that house to make it back up for it, okay? Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, because even though at the time, and I'm sure I'll feel this even more when I go back to rewatch, um, I was edging him Figueredo again. It could have been two, two because something I said in my written breakdown on this podcast folks was don't be surprised to hear that. Uh, don't forget where this fight's taking place. This is in Vegas. It's going to be a pro Latinx crowd, you know, a lot of Latinos, and uh, we heard it, right? We heard it in the crowd. We heard him represent, right? And uh, that was good for Moreno. That could have swayed some judges. So uh, even though it was a miss, I still don't feel bad. You know, if you've given all those circumstances at play, I feel like it was a justifiable shot. Public with it, with I play, public with my miss. Um, and then I think Moreno gives away the round. He tries to invite him in for a brawl, and I think he was winning the the. the the round, uh, or at least you could have justified him winning a close round up until that point, just like round three. And then um, even if Moreno got, may have gotten the better, quietly have gotten the better of that exchange, uh, Figueredo, that's just his wheelhouse, his crazy exchanges, even though he, uh, not to give him, I don't want to give him credit, obviously he has technical, a lot of technical moves and diverse moves, but uh, you know, as far as like going power for power with him, uh, it's not a good idea. Um, a lot of theories. Is f I got to rewatch, so I, I can't really weigh in uh, as far as um, Figueroa and his durability. And I, I'll just say this much: I don't know, you know, if you know, as far as you know, there's, there's smarter people like me, and I'll, I'll look forward to listening to this week's heavy hands. Uh, Kyle and Connor talk about it as far as Figueroa learning the lessons in certain rounds and certain narratives. Um, I will say that I I, I, I agree with the, uh, not that I disagree with any of it. By the way, uh, but the part I, I do agree with as far as it is, um, and people seem to agree with me because it ties into my durability theory, which is I just still feel like Davis and Figueredo, you know, I don't have a problem with him winning here. It's just, I feel like it's just so dependent. And having fight readiness corner, page note, I want to give them their proper due, will definitely help. But it's just, it, I just still feel like he's destined for bantamweight. You know, he's going on 35 years old now, uh, and he's going to be continuing to cut down a flyweight. Um, and I feel like. Uh, you know, even though Figueredo was scoring, getting the better of the scoring and landing the harder shots, 
which led to probably scoring in his favor that I agreed with, by the way. Um, he's not taking the shots as well. And that, of all the narratives there's of uh, people I respect, um, that's the common thread between all theirs and mine, for what it's worth. Because I've said to you guys, too, that... Um, you know, he's Moreno is the more durable man. Not only has he not been stopped, if anybody's going to be stopped, it's going to be uh, Figueredo, um, which is still hold, held true, even though Figueredo has has won the series in my book. You know, somebody asked, and I think they're upset, think I'm trying to be smart or whatever, but it's like, well, that's my opinion. I'm going to tell you, I think Figueredo won the series, so I wouldn't mind moving on. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple days later, just depending on how people read your replies, I get people coming at me. Accusing me, saying, well, you don't want the Kaikoura France Askarov winner. They don't deserve I'm like, I'm not saying that. Fucking relax. I'm okay if they run it back a fourth time, but I'm also okay if they move on because Figueredo, he won 48-47 this time, and even though he should have won 48-47 in many people's eyes last time uh, with the, without the point deduction, I still think he should have won with the point deduction being 48-46 or whatever uh, is the score that should have been. Only one judge, I think, had that right. So again, people that accuse me of hating on Figueredo, it's it's not that. I, I score these fights for them. I have no issue with that. Um, even though I didn't pick him here, when I picked him to win the first fight, I picked him to win by decision. Like, even people that were, like, you know, fucking guzzling, uh, running on, f- you know, Figgy's cum like it was their fuel and stuff, were like, weren't, weren't even picking him by decision. You know what I'm saying? Like, even his, his nutsuckers weren't even picking him by decision. I picked him by decision. It's not that I underestimate it. It's that... that I just don't think he's fighting at the right weight class, you know? And uh, and we've seen it tax him before, and he came back here, and it's great. And, you know, uh, it's it's like I was telling Aaron Bronstead, it's like I, I know I get passionate and hyperbolic. It's not about the fighters. It's the fans, you know? Uh, shout out to uh, Indecision Records, you know, punk hardcore, hardcore punk uh, of the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, it's been inside, and they had this band t-shirt it said ensign their their band and it had the bass player just smashing a kid like to a bloody pulp with his bass guitar and it said ensign love the music hate the kids that's like if there was like a model for your boy here folks in this podcast like that's me i fucking love the music i'm very passionate about the music i tune into the music every weekend i cover it i break it down God damn, do I hate most most of the fucking fans? Not you guys, of course. You guys are fucking great. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my curmudgeon ass. So it's not disrespect to Figgy. It's not disrespect to Fight Ready because I, I feel like, if anything, um, I, I definitely, you know, uh, got to give them love. Um, I know a lot of it is based on, you know, strength and conditioning and this and that, and they, they make guys look ripped, and that's been, like, a thing in the betting community to repeat. And I've done it myself. I'm not hating on it, folks. I'm just saying, like, this is all ultimately conjecture. We can make, we can nudge, and even if we're pretty sure we're right, and we'll be willing to bet that we're right on, on, on certain practices, at the end of the day, we don't know. And at the end of the day, they're producing results, and they deserve the credit for it. Um, and beyond that, you've got, again, which I have given credit for, uh, and I always make sure to give credit for, is the Santino DeFranco's of the world, but also Henry Cejudo. I know he does the cringe thing, but... That was something I didn't really uh, talk about is Cejudo and the game plans. And this shouldn't be something that we shouldn't have been able to see as far as uh, Figueredo taking kicking initiative. Um, it's something that uh, I broke down. in my. If you look at the breakdown before the first fight, I said Figueredo needs to kick at Moreno because of his stance and so forth. Um, he did. Uh, he wins. Next fight, 
I know he looked bad and was on the back foot and probably would have lost for all those reasons and more with a bad weight cut, but what happens? Moreno takes the kicking initiative right away in the second fight, and yes, of course, he coincidentally wins. Third fight, Figgy back on the kicking initiative, and we should have seen that coming, you know, because we've seen that before. Um, we've seen that because we, we've seen that, and I almost like we've seen it with uh, Zhang Wei Li. Uh, as far as like other champions looking to get their belt back, coming in similar scenarios, but also long sample sizes that almost extend into the MMA lab. And I say that because their striking coach, Eddie Cha, um, Korean, I think Korean American guy, uh, if not his English is just really good. Uh, but uh, he uh, was the striking coach, of course, at MMA lab. Uh, and him and John Crouch had a falling out, but of course, he was there for a minute. Um, and we would see leg kicks, even uh, calf kicks. Um, one of the earliest people to do that, of course, Benson Henderson, out of that camp. So there's always been an emphasis on leg attacks. That kind of that's you know that's where that lineage kind of travels. Now it's up at Fright Ready with Eddie Cha. Um, so we're seeing that obviously wrestling with Cejudo and bringing in wrestlers of multiple sizes. What was that noise? It's like a propeller plane. Wow. All right. That sounds awfully low. Well, if there's a crash, we know what happened. Uh, but no, um, but yeah, wrestling, uh, wrestling and uh, leg kicks, you know, these are, like, these are very tactical uh, commonalities that we've seen come out of there. So um, something I, I, I should have picked up on and, you know, something that could have been predictable ahead of this, but something we should we should all know it ahead of time when looking at fight-ready fighters. So I definitely want to give them a shout. Um, good on them for getting Figueroa's weight that low, but still, man, I, I still don't... I mean, someone could come tell me tell me otherwise, but I don't know any of the methods and any of the people out there that, that recommend fucking sucking yourself out in a sauna for a weight cut. I know people are trying to like move away from that in recent years in general, much less, you know, Tuesday night... Uh, when you have three more nights to go. Uh, Jesus. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, but man, uh, you know, good on good on, uh, good on, on Figueredo. Um, and, yeah, I, I got no issue with the decision. I wouldn't have an issue for Moreno, but I, I, I thought Figueredo won it pretty, pretty clearly live. I got to rewatch it. Um, Michelle Pajeda defeated Andre Fialho. Um, Fialo showed why I was tempted to take a flyer on him, and if you were uh, Fialo better, that's exactly what you wanted to see as far as him getting out and pressuring it right away. Sometimes he can, you know, stick and move a bit, a little bit too much, and, and not get on the pressure game and be on and off it or get, get put off it. But he was on it for his credit. But again, Beta was able to use kicks. Uh, not as much wrestling as I thought, to be honest. Um, but his straight punches and kicks and body assaults were, were good enough. And, uh, the decision ad for plus 225, um, I think it was like, what was it, half a unit, uh, hit. And that was, that was certainly helpful to come back because, uh, next uh, fight before that, excuse me, Saeed Nurmagomedov defeated Cody Stamen. Uh, guillotine, sick ninja choke, super slick. Wasn't even mad at losing that bet because it was just like the, the the beauty that he pulled that off against a guy like Cody Stamen, who's really tough to finish. Um, 
boy, he packed on a ton of weight too. When you look at the weight put-ons for this uh, for this fight, uh, and he didn't even get to use it any of it, um, which is really sad. Um, again, felt like I was setting myself up for heartbreak, split decision heartbreak, not this uh, heartbreak. So, uh, you know, wasn't too surprised when I lost it. Uh, apologies for that one. That one went down the hole. Michael Morales, not Miles Morales, someone he uh, corrected me. The actual Spider-Man defeated Trevin G- Giles. J. Giles, he's showing that fight IQ, baby. Uh, Pierce is his guard, just like I said. But J. Giles being J. Giles, give it away, give it away, give it away now. J. Giles gonna give it away to Morales. Why am I gonna go on like a Dana White? Uh, yeah, I love fucking uh, anything. <laughs> It's not too far past the 2000s. Uh, I know, I was quoting an early 90s catalog of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Anthony Kiedis in the crowd. And our friend Mandy Moore. Uh, sorry. Uh, but yeah, what the fuck? Uh, I wasn't too mad about it because the undercash. I'm not a really big under guy. Um, but this one just, it honestly, I'm not even saying it in hindsight. I told you guys earlier, just the total seemed off. Why is the under plus? It should have been the other way around. It made no sense. Stylistically, mathematically, no sense. So hopefully you guys cashed. My only rap, I should even went, went, went bigger on that one play, to be honest. Of course, that's hindsight. Boy, hard to be hindsighted on this one because uh, Victor Henry came out and just gave it to Hayoni Barcelos. He just did the Max Holloway game plan on steroids and just volumed it out of the gate. Didn't even do the uh, slow burn and slow cook with the feints and footwork. He just... He just went out there, punches to kicks, kicks to punches. Um, I got to rewatch it, what, what he was doing exactly, but uh, some really good stuff out there and really took it to Barcelos. And um, again, did the old Hicks and Gracie approach in a different way. Uh, he did it to the veteran, though, right? Um, and, but just because just he's a veteran, you know. Doesn't mean he doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, holes in his armor. And like the Jose Aldo-like comparison he does get. Um, unfortunately, some of those comparisons can be compared to the uh, negatives, which is the gas t- suspect gas tank, uh, pockets to recoup, especially with the power that they and Barcelos in this fight especially was throwing. Um, and... That was just bad because he was throwing, like, a, a, he, he bet the inside the distance. And I'm like, oh, no, just like I was warning everybody about betting Barcelos inside the distance. Like, Henry can't be finished, right? And as soon as, and, and just like I said in this podcast, as I, as I got done, you know, you know, talking my shit on betting hype trends, I called myself out and in my defense and said, well, it's kind of a red flag myself because I'm parlaying the biggest favor on the car, right? And sure enough, boy, fortuitous. Hate it when I'm right, Dan. Hate it when you're right, right? And, uh, yeah, I was right there. That was a red flag. And it was a certainly code, you know, bright red uh, as soon as that first round knew, oh, Henry's got this. Because, again, similar to the, you know, go watch the documentary Choke. Listen to kind of Hickson explain it. How he talks about incorporation of yoga and heart rates and breathing and the importance of it in a fight. Because if you can get, yeah, and your opponent's heart rate higher than yours, you've got the inherent advantage, especially if you're like, a go-go, you know, gadget fighter like Henry just can can go and go, you know, uh, has got that tank. Um, I don't know if he's Mexican or not. Uh, 
not Mangosta, but he, uh, yeah, he's got that, that toughness in that tank, right? Stereotypical if you want to be, but he's got it. Uh, and Barcelos needed his pockets to recoup, so um, he took the corner in the race, and you just saw, unless there's some kind of a serious banana peel on the track, if you're projecting forward, and Barcelos makes it uh, with the cuts and all, um, should be Victor Henry, and that it was, 30-27 across the board. Uh, parlay went down the hole. It was crazy. I think we had, like, it was like, oh, it was like my heart was going crazy because it was my, my three parlay legs happened all in a row, ending with this one, right? And, and the ones before this hit. And uh, easily, man, I was I was sweating. Despite the results uh, on the first two, I was sweating. I'm like crazy. So when I got to Barcelos, I was like, man, I can just take a breather here. Barcelos is going to gonna get this right he's gonna he's gonna fight smart land more impactful strikes and when henry wants to grapple barcelos will be the better wrestler and his jujitsu will obviously be good enough to not get submitted and we, we cash nope before that um tony grabbly did his part defeated simon Oliveira. simon bra um couldn't stop going for the guillotines at Oliveira and uh gravely again trained american top teams got Bahumpa. Um, he was well prepared for that. It was more the striking you got to worry about getting hurt. Um, and Oliver, for being a Muay Thai guy, you know, again, he kind of meanders. He spins, he marches, or go for guillotines, and it's just not a lot of that power striking and getting to the fucking point, meat and potato, a little more meat and potatoes, you know, and his game would be good. Didn't have it, so I picked Gravely. Gravely cash. Gravely. Uh, Jack de la Madalena. De la Madalena. Defeated Pete Rodriguez. Round one KO, ugh, they just decided to just stand and trade. I was like, come on, if not, go for a takedown, somebody, like, push against the cage, nothing. It's like, oh, this this, this round two ticket ain't going to hit. Forget about the round three. Sure enough, it didn't get there, but it was okay because Medalena was a parlay piece, right? And that's kind of the saving grace when you miss these flyers. You're like, it's okay. The bet that matters hits. So that's what really hurts about the parlay not hitting. And it sucks, too, because, like, especially in the three-leg, even though I didn't have sprinkles on all three fights, I only do it if there's an angle there. But, yeah, two out of the three, and like I like to say to do, is to layer the angles, because against, if, you know, Hayone Barcelos falls out, but, you know, Jack Maddalena would have finished in round two, then we're good, you know. Um, I wasn't confident enough uh, to, I was already overexposed that I wanted to be against a guy like, with a guy like Gravely, who, you know, will, will look to fade in due time. Um, but even his path to victory, like he could have knocked out Oliveira, right? You know what I'm saying? So you know, I wasn't completely set on the decision, although gun to the head, I, I would have said decision to me have even on the podcast. So it just shows how crazy this game is. You can think that like, okay, I've got a, I've got a healthy spray. I got to hit something with this fucking spray, right? No, not this time. Sorry to the D loves of the, uh, the D love round players, master of love, especially for the round threes. Uh, Vanessa Demopoulos defeated Silviana Gomez-Juarez. Didn't look into these fights too much. Didn't want to invest in them. And for good reason, because the analysis was right. Even though the pick was wrong, picked Gomez for her striking, which she showed. But Demopoulos had that grappling, which saved her ass. Um, Joe Rogan was getting his ego just fucking butt blown and blown up. Uh, don't even want to get another fucking Rogan talk, man. Jesus Christ. Um, Matt Favola, de Steamroller, defeated uh, Gennaro Valdez. Uh, again, that could have been the parlay piece, but again, if um, I can't front, like, because it was between him and Tony Gravely, right? Uh, 
All right, then, then if not, it would have been between him and Jack Della. Again, Barcelos was the most confident leg, so there was nothing saving me from parlays. I would have eaten it any, either way, and I would have still sweat probably even the hardest with this one because Favola went out there and almost gave the fight to Valdez before dropping him multiple times uh, before... I don't know who it was. Was it Beltran? Whoever it was um, should have probably stopped that sooner for sure. Jasmine Jazvizius. Uh, Jazvizius defeated Kay Hansen. Um, good for Jasmine. The size thing kept me away for good reason. Cause probably would have paid a penny, pretty penny for Kay Hansen, who's moving back down a division. So the dogs were barking. I should have done the old uh, pick the dog and talent master kind of a thing because now I'm, for the first time I, I can actually say that because I'm in the talent master thing. Um it's funny. People can already guess my name in there, which which says a lot about me. Um, but uh, shouts if you're uh, participating in that. Um, but yeah, that was the recap on that card. What did we do on time for that one? Forty-eight. All right. Uh, all right. Quickly, we'll just read some. Yeah, you can use listening stuff. Uh, before we get to the uh, Bellator, I'm just gonna read some Amazon reads real quick. Um, MixedMartialAnalyst.com. You can go to to support this podcast. It's free. Uh, MixedMartialAnalyst.com. Linked all this stuff, including the PayPal secure donation link, linked in my link tree at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. The only social media I'm somewhat active on, pretty much. Um, and um, MixedMartialAnalyst.com, of course, where I started and host this podcast. To the right, you can get that same PayPal link as well as an Amazon link. All you do is click once, takes you to Amazon. Do your normal shopping. I know we hate supporting uh, these billionaire companies, but there are certain realities in life and maybe some things that, you know, I don't want to say you need to you don't need to. You know what I mean. If you're going to do it, at least ease your conscience and support uh, free programming that hopefully has helped make you some money and, you know, uh, not asking for any money in return. In fact, if you just click that link through MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, talk to the right if you're on a mobile. Mobile! Uh, and you do your normal shopping, a small percentage of your shopping gets kicked back to this here podcast at no extra cost to you uh, at all. Uh, just a small percentage of whatever sale you uh, conduct uh, by um, a small percentage gets kicked back to us. Someone bought Honey Care All Absorb. Uh, I don't know what that is, but thank you for buying that. Um, someone bought No Way Home on Ultra HD. That's the spy. Hey, speaking of Michael Morales there, right? Someone bought Smart Deals Pro Color 1 and one half inch Plastic Counting Counters Poker Chips. Set of 100. Ah, card game with the boys. That sounds fun. I wish I had friends. Uh, <laughs> uh, U-Simples uh, 1114 Picture Frame Set of 5 Display Pictures for Wall Gallery Photo Frames. Posing some nice photos. Um, Dune Ultra HD. I think I watched this the other night. I was really fucked up, though. Uh, <laughs> more DVDs. Uh, um, Godfather 50. Has it been fucking 50 years? Jesus. Ultra HD uh, box set. Godfather 50 year anniversary. Where does the time go? Fill top engine air filter replacement. That reminds me, I gotta replace the AC filter. I don't wanna do that maybe tonight before Madre comes over. 
Not that, you know, I'm not contagious of COVID, but, you know, let's just get the bad air out. I'll probably do to change that thing anyways. Every six months, folks, make sure you're changing your your AC filters. Uh, fill top premium cabin air filter. There we go. For a Civic, CRV Civic. Oh, nice. All right. Thank you for buying that. Um, someone bought, what is this? Logitech. G Pro X gaming mouse. Ooh, let me know how that works. I um I'm not ready to build my computer yet, but you know, if I have to get a gaming mouse, let me know what you guys think is good. Same person that bought that probably bought this I'm getting. Guessing Razer Kraken uh gaming headset tournament edition. Wow. I mean Hey, I like to release the Kraken in front of the computer just like any guy, but uh, this stuff sounds serious. Let me know how that works for you. You know, it's funny. I got these Audio-Technica. Those, those aren't badly priced either. Um, I, I rock these Audio-Technicas. They're wired, not wireless, that uh, I, I use for recording and editing. And I'm so stupid. I've had these for, like, years now. Like, I randomly am like, you know what? Music probably sounds really good in these things. Um, of course. Why don't I just, like, listen to music when I'm writing? Why do I listen to it on the shitty... Laptop computers, I have these headsets, head, headphones right in front of me. And I was just, oh man, I was loving it. It was just, I think I had like, For Whom the Bells Toll or something. I can, I can hear Cliff Burton slapping the bass. I can hear the bass to slapping. And I like to hear the basses slapping, slap the bass. Uh, so that's just really fucking cool. Alright, someone got a Trollable set of three collapsible microwave lid for reheating food and meal prep. Meal prep. That's right. Getting on it. Hey, Asian representation in the house. This wasn't me, I swear to God. Someone bought Sung-Chi on Ultra HD. Um, I don't know, man. I've been trying to watch these Marvel movies. I'm having a tough time getting through them. Like, I, I gotta have my own. Everyone has their own, like, you know, recap series, and it's usually, like, the same fucking three dudes, and it's just so fucking milquetoast shit. Uh, I should do my own, like, recap YouTube series of MCU films where it's, like, um, my drug-induced, drug-induced, uh, late night, half falling asleep, watching in five different installments. Recap, spoiler edition <laughs> of like the Marvel movies, like Doctor Strange, more like Doctor Date Rape. This guy was not a likable character. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying, folks. I just, I have the fucking. The film lover in me and contrarian in me just really fights back when it comes to these kind of movies. Not hating on it. Again, I'm 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 trying to enjoy what I can from them. I am not judging, but you know. I've got a lot of other better stuff to catch up on. I, I did knock out Ozark, uh as far as like I know it's not movies, but whatever. Um, and some other stuff, um, while uh I've been uh, recovering. Um someone got short USB C to USB sixty watt cable two pack. Nice. Um, what else we got here? Uh, someone got the Hobbit trilogy, story of Alexander Volkanovsky's quest to the featherweight title. Someone got that's, that's not what this is about, folks. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Jesus, Smarty Pants Kids Formula. Okay, all right, and. I'm guessing the same person got this. Aquaphor Baby Healing Ointment. All right. Cool. That wraps up um, 
the links. Thank you for using that. That's mixedmartialanalyst.com. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Again, it doesn't cost you anything. Just click through, and uh, that is done. All right. Um, we got Eagle FC or whatever going on. I didn't really look into much of this stuff. Let's look at some odds here. Spong, Karatonov. I don't know what either guy has been doing. Karatonov's kind of always fighting. Um, I always like Karatonov as a dog, but, you know, I don't even know. Is this like boxing rules? I don't even know what the fuck the fight is, so who knows? Right, great analysis here. Rashad Evans is a dog to a guy that I remember is not that great, but you're betting on Rashad Evans at that point. Good luck. Cody Gibson's a dog to... Ray Borg, um, Cody Gibson. I think I think I can see him being really scrambling and competitive uh, first two rounds. But if he can't maybe catch Ray Borg by the second, he's you know maybe he's falling behind on scrambles. I don't know. Um, Ramzan Kurmagomedov should be a favorite over John Howard. It's a big favorite, granted. Uh, Raymond Michael. I don't know who that fuck that is. And fighting Anthony Njaquani. Maybe he's an ACA guy. I don't know what you kids can uh, tell me. Got a Dylan Salvador. I don't know who that is. Yagen. Yagen de Castro. Yagen. Yagen. Chuck, I had a devil burger. Yagen's minus 450. That, that can't be good. Uh, Miles Hunsinger. Can we have him fight Harry Hunsucker? No, probably not. I don't know who that is. Uh, Zach Zane. Hey, Hawaii guy. Big underdog to Radzaboff. Um... Zach Zane's pretty experienced. I don't know if I, you know. He gets up to like 4-1, to one, so something small on him for shits. But, yeah, nothing there, folks. I, I wouldn't touch it. I am probably not even going to watch it. Uh, probably not going to watch this until maybe, like, the main event. We got uh, Valentin Moldovsky, minus 255. Ryan Bader, plus 205. Um, Moldovsky opened minus 150. Bader, 120. I would still probably t- I would still take a shot on Bader at that those odds, um, but I can at least understand that opening. Public went and ran and almost had you know they had fucking Moldovsky up at like three to one odds earlier in the week. It was it was it was stupid, um, and I don't get it, man. Like I I just wasn't impressed with this guy. Um, he's not even a Greco guy. He just does everything from the clinch because he was like. He came from judo. He grew up as a kid doing judo and then did sambo. And he was going to be a lawyer. He was on pace to be a lawyer and was just, like, competing in amateur, like, not too seriously. Didn't take it serious until he meets, you know, he gets the blessing, meets Fedor Emelianenko, kind of gets the blessing, invited to train with him. Well, that kind of changes everything. And you can kind of see why. You know, people are like, look, Nemkov looks bigger than this guy. Like, he's not a very big heavyweight. So he kind of becomes the perfect prototype training partner for both Nemkov or Fedor, you know? Because he's that tweening size. He's bigger than Fedor, but he's a little smaller, actually, than Nemkov. He's probably a little thicker than Nemkov, but I still think Bader's more muscular, more stronger, more knockout power, um, the stronger grappler as far as locking up with guys. Uh, Moldovsky's a light heavyweight. He's fought at light heavyweight all his amateur career, and maybe even his first fight as a pro, depending on what you're reading and looking up. And then was just essentially in the 230s or whatever, which is where, like, Bader walks around in. Uh, Bader probably come in, you know, hopefully not in the 230s, maybe high 220s. That's where he, 225 to 228s, where he's weighed in for his heavyweights fights. And, you know, he's undefeated. No contest included that he was on his way to uh, wrestling another heavyweight against the cage. Um, Moldovsky, 
he tends to fight off the back foot and he gets pushed back to the cage a lot. And he's okay with it because most, again, back to my previous note, most heavyweights can't wrestle. So even though he's not, he can shoot. I've seen him shoot, I think, twice for the legs. He does have a reactive shot, even though it's not like anything to write home about. Bader's is way better, of course. That's easy to say, even at this stage of his career. Um, he's mainly like outside trip, not even really inside trip guy, mainly outside trip, uh, shuck to the back, kind of Polish throws, um, turning corners from the body lock, deep in on the hips kind of a deal maybe. Um, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that against Bader. Bader's super savvy in the clinch. Like Bader will even hit judo stuff on guys too, uh, hip tosses and whatnot. Like he's not just... He's, he's good in the clinch, but Bader is a leg shot wrestler, and Moldovsky's never faced many of those. Even when he, In fact, whenever guys are shot for their legs, when they're not wrestlers, they've got them down. Um, when, when they're not those type of wrestlers, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Linton Vassell is owning them early in their fight. And if Bader gets in those control positions, Moldovsky's not getting back up. Uh, Moldovsky was kind of even lucky to get up against um, Vassell. Uh, he d- used the same getup each time as when Vassell moved to mount. Uh, he did like Alexander Tumanov and a lot of these Russians do. They just time, they stay calm, and then they have really good bridges, and they time it really well with their explosion. They explode and they bridge. A really good bridge will get you out of a lot, and I feel like that is stressed amongst a lot of the uh, Russian wrestling, even if they're not Russian wrestlers per se. Um, but that's not even gonna that's not gonna be enough against Bader. Uh, and I don't think he's going to get him down. In fact, Volontin Modovsky doesn't get guys down with high regularity at all. A lot of times they have to tire themselves out, and he steadily works them over. Um, and he'll kind of do that uh, punch and clutch thing, or punch and then clench, punch and clench. And it's almost always a right-hand, left hook, some variation. He seldomly goes to the body. And the one thing he does good off the right hand that he likes to lead off of is he does roll off of it, and then he'll throw a left hook on top of it. Or he'll right hand and duck in to roll and get kind of smothered by the clinch. And then when he pushes off the clinch, that left hook will follow. So it's like it's, it's fucking hardwired into his head. It's the same combinations. Every once in a while, like when he faces a southpaw, then he's more faint heavy. And it's more of that fade or faint, faint look at the birdie with the left. Here's the right hand or checking left hook, right hand return. But it's really just back and forth. Lead right, left hook. Checking left hook, return right. Lead right, left hook. Checking left hook, return right if I'm on the back foot. It's the same fucking shit. And the guy has no knockout power. The, he has one TKO on his record. It's the one finish he got in his belt towards a guy named Ernest James, who looks like an old, out-of-shape wrestler who got hyped up and put in there. And that was like his second pro fight against Moldovsky, who was already like north of 10 fights with all his amateur Sambo championship experience. It was just, uh, the guy was a punching bag, essentially. Um, and his eyes closed, and his, his eye got closed early on in the round. Um, it, it, it meant nothing. Uh, and then his, his, his other three finishes are the very first fights of his career. I think, like, arm bar and, like, shit off his back even, too. Or no, they're just re-naked chokes, I think. But it was just, like, against nobodies early on in his career, you know, almost 10 years ago. The guy hasn't finished anybody. Doesn't look like he has knockout power. Doesn't have diversity that you have to plan around for. Does not appear to be the better wrestler. Doesn't even isn't even even like active with ground and pound. Doesn't even look to really throw elbows. Doesn't look to threaten with submissions to get advances and defeat into strikes and so on and so forth. Making a 
kind of a, you know, a, a trap game. Nothing. Doesn't have any of these things. You know, I think he is an undersized heavyweight with a bare minimum of wrestling, which means he can out-wrestle and or tire guys enough out to out-wrestle them as he fights in B-League heavyweights against primarily B-League heavyweights for the most part. You know, Tim Johnson is an upper-body wrestler and probably could have got a lot done considering what his lone loss. That, you know, in his defense, if you're really looking at damage, you could probably have made an argument for Moldowski, or at least they should have at least gone to the third round. But still, uh, it was essentially an inexperienced Greco guy, I believe, Amir Alakbari. And even that guy was like, hitting takedowns that weren't part of his normal regime, like double legs and stuff. Again, anybody who's shot legs, whether they're wrestlers or not, been able to take Moldovsky down. That's the funny thing. He's won fights on very close margins. I mean, he is the bare minimum of wrestling to get by. Um, <clears throat> and Tim Johnson, even though he's more of a clinch wrestler too, when I went back to watch that fight, like, it's way closer. It's fucking Doug Crosby, 50-45. It's easy. Tim Johnson easily is two of those rounds, and you can make an argument that round one was a swing round that could have gone to Johnson as well. So, like, there's an argument for Tim Johnson to have won that fight. And Tim Johnson didn't even shoot one takedown and still had an argument to win that fight. Um, I scored it for Maldovsky by the slightest. He barely edged out round one in my book off first watch and won rounds three and four. Tim Johnson, two and five. But, again, very slim margins, you know? <clears throat> Uh, so unless Bader is like, like I said, I tried to be like disrespectful, but like I said in my article, like unless Bader is like PTSD ridden Hen and Burrell levels of shot, he should win this fight. Um, and you're going to give me two to one odds. The guy's not going to knock him out, not going to submit him. So he's going to have to win a decision when he hasn't gone deep and he looks like he has suspect cardio. Like he gassed in a three round fight against Roy Nelson. He looked like he improved his pace against Tim Johnson. But the dude was, like, gassed after three rounds of the Roy Nelson. He could barely even speak. The fuck do you think Ryan Bader's going to do to him? Is he going to beat Ryan Bader by decision? You know how many people have beaten Ryan Bader by decision? You know what decisions Ryan Bader lost, folks? Zero. Zero. I think even in his grappling matches and shit, like, he didn't lose decisions there. He had to be, like, submitted by, like, grappling aces or something. Zero decisions, folks. Like, you got to stop that guy. He's got to combust himself. And I don't even know if he can combust him. I think he can combust and still recover against a guy like Maldowski because Maldowski's not going to fucking put him away. He's not going to outlast him cardio-wise. Like, this line makes no fucking sense. And I could easily lose my money here because it's MMA and it's heavyweight. But, oh, my God, it's just, I'm telling you, the number makes no fucking sense. You cannot justify this. You cannot justify this price. Moldovsky may win, but I stand by the this arg. It's not sour, sour grapes. This argument still stands fucking true regardless of it. And for that reason, I will put my money where my mouth is. I put a whole unit on Bader at plus 225, um, which is a lot for me at least. Uh, so, yeah, that's my play going into this weekend. Below that, we have Islam Mamadov, big favorite against Benson Henderson. Picks Mamadov. Makes me want to take a flyer on Henderson, but I feel like Henderson's pretty pretty... You want to talk about near the end and shot and again lighter weight class, more miles, etc. Um, I can't trust ben and Hen Benson Henderson. Um, Aiden Lee, uh, I'll pick him to beat Henry Corrales. The line jump kind of interesting. A uh, line movement on this a bit. Um, kind of went back and forth a bit. Looks like. Let's see what did Aiden open up as? 
Yeah, he opened as a dog and corrected himself. I, I, I get it. I, I pick Aiden too. I like Corrales. You know, maybe he's got another upset in him, but um, I'll pick Aiden Lee. But again, it's nothing I'd be confident to put my money on. I mean, Bellator for one, it's something about betting it, and then these matchups are deceptively competitive for Bellator. It's like not the smash matches that you would expect to see, right? Um, aside from my guy Dalton Rasta, we'll get to that. Uh, Jaleel Willis versus Saba Homasi. Uh, I guess I'll pick Willis. But again, so Homasi seems like a live dog. He surprised me before. Come to fight, just that gas tank is just not something I'd want to bet on, even with the dog price attached. Barzola minus 125, Caldwell plus 105. This is an interesting one. Caldwell opened the favorite, but people faded him. And I get it. If you got Barzola at plus money, uh, I don't blame you playing Barzola, but seeing him as a favorite, it's definitely dog or pass now with Darian Caldwell. Because Bar- Barzola, even though you'd like to think of him as consistent because he's you know tough South American warrior, but he's had some really suspect fight, fight IQ. Um, and his wrestling, that's not ever really been anything super great to write home about. Like, even for his level of good, air quote, good wrestling for him, I've seen that vary in fights, uh, both with capability and fight IQ. And so I know he jumped around camps as well, so I'm not confident in it. Um, I'll pick Caldwell, but Caldwell's fight IQ is so bad that he doesn't understand the damage when fights. Like he could win the wrestling here and still lose the fight again because off of bad fight IQ. So it's two bad fight IQs. I'm going to go with the better wrestler in Caldwell. I'm not going to play it, even though that plus money is real tempting. I'm going to root for y'all if you, you guys played it. Um, I just I can't trust my money there. I already got enough. Like, the unit is more than enough exposed on Bellator for me. Um, <clears throat> Sadawad plus 180. Chris Gonzalez minus 220. Chris Gonzalez has been let down from this is his last performance. Not necessarily who he fought, but just maybe how he looked. Uh, Sadawad is a dog who will fight for your money. I'm a big fan of Sadawad. Um Done breakdown shows with him in the past. Cool guy. But um, I'll go Chris Gonzalez here. I just, I don't know. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put him in a parlay. I feel like Saad's always in the fight. Uh, Dalton Rasta, I mean, I don't know if you can put him in a parlay anymore at minus 760, you know. But, uh, yeah, he is um, obviously a prospect. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock said The Rock's laying the smack down. Do you smell your Rudy Pooh? Candy X Pac, your bony jabroni. <laughs> Sorry. I had to revisit 1998 there. Um, yeah, if you didn't notice, if you have a, a name resembling a celebrity, Bellator will sign to you. Um, don't know uh, Sullivan Coley or Ben Paddish. I don't know why I said it with the name. They sound like good Irish boys gonna fight it out. Oh, those Cully boys. It's a terrible accent, sorry. Lucas Brennan, big favorite over Ben Lugo. Unbettable. Same with uh, Nikita Mikhailov over Blaine Shutt. Yeah, that's Bellator. Again, just a unit on Bader. That's all I got. Um, that's all I got for you guys here. Kind of a long podcast, but hopefully it was uh, content for you. Good luck if you're playing anything this weekend. Uh, Enjoy MMA, and I'll see you next weekend for uh, Strickland Hermanson. All right, until next time, protect your necks.